Welcome to Parenting Musically, supported by the Grammy Museum, a podcast where we explore ways to make music an important and meaningful part of our families' lives. I'm your host, Lisa Heisman Copes. I'm a professor and researcher of music education at Case Western Reserve University in Cleveland, Ohio. I also teach early childhood music classes, and I am mother to four children, so I engage with ideas of parenting musically from multiple viewpoints. In each episode, I interview a well-known musician or their parent and pair that with a music education researcher. In today's episode, Grammy award-winning artist Ziggy Marley reflects on the importance of making space for musical creativity, both with our children and for us as parents. We'll also hear from Dr. Vanessa Bond, a researcher and associate professor of music education at Rowan University in New Jersey. Her work centers on the musical lives of children, culturally responsive education, and mentoring. Ziggy Marley is an eight-time Grammy Award winner, Emmy winner, and philanthropist. His early immersion in music started at age 10 with his father. The artist's nonprofit charity, URGE, which stands for Unlimited Resources Giving Enlightenment, supports efforts in Jamaica, Ethiopia, and other developing nations. The charity's objective is to build new schools and operate health clinics with a focus on youth by developing and supporting educational programs. In this interview with Ziggy, you'll hear him share his philosophy about the role of music in our lives, from the small moments of life like brushing teeth, all the way to the potential impact of music on social engagement in the world. Ziggy, it's such an honor and exciting to have a chance to talk with you about children's music, because I know that's been a theme uh, in your career and your work lately. Mm-hmm. So I wondered if you could just jump right in and tell me about some of the projects you've been working on lately. Yeah, um, well, let me see. Last year during the pandemic, I released a kid's album called More Family Time, which is a follow-up to a previous album, which was called Family Time. Yeah, I really didn't plan to do that record, but my four-year-old son inspired me to make that album for kids. And I thought it was kind of like, after a while, I felt like it was, I was called to do that. Like I had to do that last year. I don't know why. That's just how I felt in my mind. Like, you know, this is what you're supposed to be doing. doing. Um, so I made that kids album and we put out a few kids book um, previously. I Love You Too um, was one that we had out years ago. And this, this year we released My Dog Romeo and we're coming out with another one called Little John Crow. And like My Dog Romeo is more enough for young, young kids, but um, Little John Crow um, even older kids, even adults can get, get something from that. And then we're going to have some more, another kids book coming out next year called Music Isn't Everything. So for me, I just felt it important to um, have a voice um, and have kids ears because my intention is for try to make the world a better place, try to bring love and joy and unity to the world. Um, and I feel like we have to speak to children to get that done. Because as adults, a lot of us are kind of steeped in our ways and hard to change our minds and hard to see, have even hard to have an open mind. So speaking to children is my way of investing in a better world, in a better future. And, you know, wherever I can help, I help. And it's it's a part of who I am. And yeah, I mean, that's what we do, you know, just what, that, that's what we do. This is who we are. Yeah, yeah. Can you reflect back on your childhood? Did you create little songs when you were really young before you started producing songs with your family and with your dad? Were you creating music 
Yeah, man, we used to, me and my um, siblings, we used to like do shows at the house. We used to promote our own shows. And, you know, my grand aunt and a couple of friends would, you know, pay us like 50 cents and come watch the shows. Uh-huh. We were constantly, I was constantly creating songs. I made up songs about the family. I was, you know, we're the Marleys. I used to have a song called, we're the Marleys. <laughs> so, yeah. so yeah, well, I mean, creativity was always around us as children, man. We just, yeah, we just love to create, you know, and imagination. I have a big imagination. So that helps my creativity. Yeah. So what do you think supported that imagination and that creativity? Were there people or certain routines or structures or situations? Not really. I mean, I had, you know, so in those days, obviously, I feel like growing up in those days is, is, um, is a blessing, you know, and because we never have so much electronics, we never have so much distractions, we could, our mind was our, like, our, our, our toy was our um, phone, you know, was our like, this is where we played all our games in our heads. Yeah. Um, so I grew up in a community where the kids were allowed to go out in the street with the other kids and play in the streets with no problem. And when I got a little older, we, 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 we had a farm. I used to hang out with the animals. I used to go in the bushes and just, so I feel like nature and being like, just being out there and not having, not having the, the, the easy access to, to, to entertainment things made you have to make up things. You had to create your own entertainment. Mm-hmm. Um, because in Jamaica, we never have TV. We, you mean, I got hooked on TV when I came to America. I was never hooked in Jamaica. Because <laughs> TV would stop at a certain time and there was no more TV. Mm-hmm. So when I came to America when I was young, I was like, wow, what? So being in Jamaica in that in those days, it you, you had to use your mind. You had to be imaginative to entertain yourself as a child. Yeah. What about what about kids here? What have you noticed um, with your own children or your friends? Do you see them creating little songs when they're very young? I am. I think I I, I, I am the catalyst for creating like songs with my kids. Them so, uh-huh. and then they they catch on very easily. But you know what, Abraham, Abraham, he does poem, he does poetry, he likes to write and he likes to draw. But I'll make up songs about like, you know, when I, I need them to brush, brush their teeth, I would sing, I would make up a song about brushing teeth. Brush up, brush up, brush up the top and brush up the bottom and blah, blah, blah. So they, 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 they have a lot of fun with that and a lot of good memories. My older kids remember me singing that to them and they would sing along with it, you know, so. But I think for them, I mean, as we say now, there is so much, so much access to different, different things that, that draws their attention. Um, it's much different now when, when, when I was growing up, you know, so it's a, mm-hmm. it's a different, they're in a different space. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. You bring up the teeth brushing example. The book that I just wrote called Parenting Musically is about how families use music to accomplish things. Yes. And um, <laughs> teeth brushing, wash hands, clean yes. up, calm yeah. down. Yeah. Have you used music yourself as a parent to achieve other goals? Every day, every day. Every, everything, is mu- everything is a song. I'm, I just, we just make it up as we go. Uh-huh. We, we make it up as we go. Um, and I, I mean, tell the truth, I don't remember everything because it's so spur of the moment. I'll make up something and it will affect that moment and then we'll move on to the next thing. But yeah, music, music is a language. Kids, kids understand that language. I feel like if you, if you, 
if you do it in a musical way or in a singing way, I think they, them have a attraction to to that. To, I don't know if it's, I don't know what it is, but and I'm and a more receptive way of communicating with them through music. I feel like they're more receptive to that than constantly, you know, being talked to or whatever by singing it. It's a it's it's more fun. It's more light. It's not as like heavy-handed or demanding in a way it's more like you know it's, it's it's more it's fun it's let's go brush our teeth it's not something that i don't want to do or oh, this song oh yeah brush up and they're like yeah and you know <laughs> some music definitely is a, is a tool of communication with children mm -hmm. do you think parents who um don't have a strong music musical background can still be creative musically yeah, you know, of course you don't need a musical background you don't need yeah. you don't you don't need nothing you don't need to be able to sing on a note or not like you just need to make you just need to have an open mind and make it up as you go uh-huh it's whatever it's whatever goes there's no rules there's no format there's nothing just feel free and just you know let it go man just yeah just have fun with it yeah yeah that's great encouragement um for people to to make up their own routines and what about musically either for your kids or for the kids around you what are your hopes and dreams for them with music well, music should be a part of every every child's life. Whether you don't have to be a musician or even want to be whatever, because music is a natural thing in nature. We talk about me growing up in nature and kids being in nature, like the birds, you know, the birds are the winds in the tree. Or I sing about it in one of my songs. Music is in everything. Mm -hmm. Um, so music is uh, it's an integral part of child development, obviously, on a scientific level, you know, the brain development, music is very important. Music should be in every child's life and every child should at least try and learn one little instrument, just learn to play something, you know, we don't have to be a professional or whatever, but get that, get that activity in your brain because it does help the development of the mind and it does help to expand the mind, music does. So, you know, xylophone or drums or whatever, you know, you do your music class or whatever, you know, kids beating on the drums or whatever. It's, it's very important. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. What else would you like to tell me about your views of children, music, families, parents, music? <laughs> what else? You know, for those of us, those of us who, as parents, those of us who, who wants the future to be good for our children. I mean, it's going to start with us in how we teach, how we teach, how we interact, the examples we set as adults, because it is the children who will make, when they become adults, will make the world the way we are imagining it for them. So we want a better, we want our kids to grow up happy, successful, all of this stuff. Um, but it's not just about where you send them to school or how much money you have or whatever. It's about what you're instilling, what is the what foundation are you laying for them to build themselves upon? And so we have a lot of responsibility in our hands for what the world will be for them. It's going to depend on them, but at this stage, we have to lay that foundation. And so we, you know, I think it, we we need to be mindful of that um, as parents. In, in what kind of foundation we're laying for our children. And how does music, how does music fit into that for you? Well, music, is, you know, I mean, music is a teacher. 
music is a teacher. The mute, like, all right, so my, my, my daughter, she's what, 15, 16, right? Um, she been listening to music from she was a very young, young, you know, we listen to music all the time. And at that, at the age that she's now, some songs that she listened to, like when I'm driving with her, I'm like, yo, what that? That's what, what, what's that song saying? What, what is it? What is it feeding your mind? What, what, how, what is it inspiring you? And when you, when you repeat the lyrics of certain songs, what, you know, like I said to her, like, what's that song? Like, what is it doing to you? What is it? What is it for? What is it saying to you? How is it affect? You know, so music is very, very influential on young minds. And if we don't find a way to balance the, you say the commercial music or the pop music that is mostly about, especially at the teenage age, because I'm talking about my teenager now, that the lyrics, not so good. Not so, it doesn't, there's nothing to the lyrics that, is feeding the mind to grow, is feeding the mind to be better. It's just like blah, it's just like blah. And if we keep repeating blah, then at in some ways it impacts us, at some ways it influences us, whether we know it or not. Consciously or unconsciously, music does influence us. So it's important. And starting at a young age, when we you know starting with a young age with my kids, then what the songs are saying is important to me because kids repeat what they hear, mm -hmm. right? They repeat what their parents say and they, if they listen to a song enough, then they start repeating that song too. So that's very important to me. So I'm very um, conscious of the lyrical content um, of what music, music is saying to, to my children. Thank you so much. It was great to speak with you today and to hear a little bit more about your work and your thoughts thoughts about kids and music. Thank you so yeah, much. Man. Thank you, man. Nice, nice to see you. Ziggy's emphasis on the importance of music in every child's life raises the question of how can we do that as parents and caregivers? What if a parent doesn't feel equipped? To explore these questions and more, I called on my friend, Dr. Vanessa Bond. Dr. Bond is a researcher and associate professor of music education at Rowan University in New Jersey. Her work centers on the musical lives of children, culturally responsive education, and mentoring. As you listen, think about the things you might already be doing, even subconsciously, that bring more music into your family life and routines. It's so good to see you and hear you again, Dr. Bond. So Ziggy spoke about the importance of music being in every child's life. I'm wondering how you encourage families to bring music into their children's lives, particularly in preschool and the early elementary grades. That's a great question and such a good point that he made too. And I think the first thing that comes to mind for me is I would love for all parents out there to feel empowered as their child's first musical mentor and to not feel pressure to 
have had a formalized music background. Obviously, the Marley family is uh, an, an extreme case in terms of the musicians that all exist together, and that is fantastic, but that is certainly not something that is required to be able to bring music into the life of your child. It's likely that you are already parenting musically kind of intuitively, so we call that intuitive parenting, right, where musically, it's likely when your child is an infant that you're talking at an elevated speech level, that you're slowing your speech patterns down. So it is likely that you are already doing some of the things that your child needs you to do uh, just through your own interactions with them on a, on a regular basis in terms of specific ways to bring music into the life of your child. Speaking both as an educator and as a mom, we tend to do so in connection to routines. And this certainly speaks to your work, Lisa, in you know how families have started to incorporate things for their brushing teeth and going to bed and to try to get to a, a certain feel in the space, whether we're trying to calm down or we're needing a moment of just shaking things up, et cetera. But most important is kind of thinking of yourself as a musical model and being joyful about the way you are musicking with a child. And so sometimes if we have that inhibition or self-concern about your own singing, or you don't feel like you can claim this musician status, et cetera, that can be communicated in, in what we do. So launching into singing and moving and playing with joy and breath and energy, uh, you know, can do so much for our child because that emotional connection to the musicking is going to be critical and kind of empower them to feel good about their own musicking as well as it's likely if you're singing with joy that you're probably providing a better vocal model for them as well um, and potentially you know singing in a range that's important for children which is oftentimes higher than where you might initially be singing in the shower yourself for example. Yeah. Thank you so much. I love that thought of bringing the joy and bringing the energy to it and being confident and how that, that not only influences the experience in the moment, but how, how our kids are perceiving what, what's happening and how they view themselves. So extending that a little bit, we heard Ziggy talk about using music as a parent and that music is a language that kids understand to use his phrase. I know you've done research on the use of music in Reggio Emilia inspired preschools which are known for the concept of the 100 languages of childhood. Could you speak to this idea of the importance of music as a way that children communicate and interact with their world? Absolutely. The Reggio Emilia approach to early childhood education is a beautiful approach that, that stems from the work of the Reggio Emilia schools in the municipality of Reggio Emilia in Northern Italy. And it's, it's based in social constructivism, meaning that there is a belief that uh, one constructs their own knowledge through experience. And there's also a strong belief in viewing the child as a capable human being, right? Um, regardless of how young they are, not looking at them from a deficit perspective, but that they have all the things that they need within their world and they know how to interact within their world. And one of the ways that they believe children express themselves and they're developing knowledge of their surroundings is through this idea of the 100 languages of children. Typically, there's a very strong visual arts emphasis within these schools. And so languages might include something like clay, wire, 
charcoal, different art mediums. And then they will include music as well, kind of lumped together, but more so now also recognizing that we have many languages under that umbrella of music, of chant and song and instrument playing, moving expressively along with music or to accompany the music that you're creating, et cetera. So I think that's very helpful in freeing us from the idea that music has to be instrument playing because there's so much organic musicking um, through the languages that children have without something external like an instrument in your house. So just encouraging their play through through chant, through found sounds, right? Sometimes it can be a little annoying to be tapping at the table, but that could be a moment, right, where they're discovering an ability to rhythmically uh, explore their world around them. Uh, so I think that could be freeing and thinking of how can I help my child be able to explore the many languages that they innately already have without the worry of tons of additional things in my house (laughs) or very formalized instruction. Yeah, that's so important to remember because it seems like a lot of times we get into this trap of um, what, what supplies do I need? What teacher do I need? But what you're saying then with the hundred languages of children is that music is really innate to the children and that expressivity can come with, with no formal instruction. Absolutely. And, you know, one of the main things that we need to do in our role as caregivers is to just increase our awareness, to be open to understanding and uh, validating their musicking that occurs, right? So instead of just dismissing that tapping at the table or dismissing a sound that a child might be making, we can validate that musical work, really, that they're doing by potentially imitating, following along, letting the child be our guide or trying to mimic something back and then take them in a new direction or by simply just giving them our attention, (laughs) which is challenging in parenting, right? There's so many pulls on our attention and uh, especially with technology and electronics in front of us all the time, but just devoting what we can, even if it's a few moments to completely inhibited direct attention on what the child is doing, even if we're not engaging that awareness of by giving you our time, we're valuing what it is that you're doing. Yeah. Well, and you bring up technology. I know that Ziggy shared time away from electronics is important for children's musical creativity. What are some other factors that you see, factors or elements that would support our children's musical creativity? Great that he brought up the technology piece. I think we see that a lot, particularly in the research of just how music exists in, in child's lives that we know, um, in children's lives, that we we know certainly that additional soundscape, whatever is in their soundscape, is going to find its way into their music king. And that's great for us, again, to be kind of aware of the musical environment we're providing that maybe purposeful sitting down, listening to music might be the tunes they're catching through their TV shows they're watching, might be stuff in the car, so much musicking happening in the car, of course. Again, connecting to your research, Lisa. Um, but, you know, to inspire that musical creativity, sometimes the Music that is shared through technology is very fixed because it's a certain song or it's a certain aspect of that. Whereas a lot of musical creativity can come from open-ended experiences where there is no one way to play it, one way to sing it. And this happens a lot also in the Regimilia approach where there's an emphasis on this idea of kind of loose parts where instead of providing 
materials for children, like a dollhouse, where there's a very intended way that you might engage with that. Instead, you're providing lots of different um, blocks and shapes, maybe all made out of wood kind of thing, but there's no clear indication that this is supposed to be a character, this is supposed to be a person, this is supposed to be this, and allow the children to bring their own sense of creativity to what the space might be. So by making it more open-ended, we're providing that pathway for them to engage and kind of put their mark on it. Same thing can happen musically. So, uh, you know, encouraging, again, maybe going to those found sounds, if there was a box of of materials that you could just find in your house, like a crunchy piece of paper or a thing of rice or just even water in the bathtub. There's so many different ways that we can explore the sounds that water creates by, you know, drawing their attention to the difference between when it comes out of the lower part of the bath or it comes out of the faucet up top or they have a little bucket that maybe they use to dump water over their head. What happens when you push that down into the water? It makes a cool kind of sound, et cetera. So it could be anything that's potentially non-musical in nature, but can be turned into a musical activity just by the, the open-ended, playful work you bring to it. Yeah. Now you're making me think of all the different sounds of water. <laughs> I love it. So my last question, do you have any favorite Ziggy Marley tunes or favorite memories to share related to listening to Ziggy Marley music as a family? So we're biased toward trained things in our household. One of my four-year-old twins, Henry, is pretty obsessed <laughs> with trains. So um, on, on his album, Family Time, he does a rendition of this train, right? This train's bound for glory and has his own spin on it and is able to kind of talk about his own father through that as well. And there's some great moments of choo-chooing high in your voice, which is awesome for head to voice development. <laughs> so we're able to kind of play along with that. And, you know, again, anything that's train related is going to grab his attention. So we encourage that, find it in the train songs we can. Thank you so much. Anything else that you want to share on the topic? Parents, as parents, we should embrace our role as, as music educators as well. And this is a community effort, like all things within the lives of children. And so that sense of, of, of empowerment or of kind of taking on that role as being a, a musical model, like we're a model for so many things in life, it does not matter what your musical background is. Uh, you, are, you are exactly what they need. And then sharing that joy of experiencing music with them, uh, trust in, in that, that you also have that innate ability in yourself, just like your children are innately musical. Wow. Thank you. Thank you so much. It was wonderful to have you on the podcast today, Dr. Bond. Thanks for joining us today for Parenting Musically, supported by the Grammy Museum and an ACES Plus grant from Case Western Reserve University. If you'd like to learn more about Ziggy's work, including his new books and album, please see the links in the show notes. We have additional links there for Dr. Bond's research and for my book on Parenting Musically. There are also several ideas for family music activities stemming from the discussion today. How do you make space for musical creativity in your family life? Share with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the hashtag ParentingMusically. Until next time, keep making music a meaningful part of your family life.